Hi, this is our Roland Denzel uh, from thefink.com. Welcome to episode four of Eat Well, Move Well podcast. Um, here to uh, my right is my wife, Galena Ivanova Denzel. Hi. And uh, tonight we have a uh, special guest, uh, our friend Bobby Fernandez, who is a uh, Czech level two practitioner and a holistic lifestyle coach and a grad student at Cal State Fullerton. Hello. Welcome, Bobby. Thank you. So we wanted to start off, it's been a couple of weeks since we did the last podcast, and um, I almost said stop me if I'm talking too quietly to them, but uh, the feedback would be uh, slow to come. Um, so the big news for us this week, right, is the book is out, Man on Top, up on Amazon and hard copy and on Kindle. We've gotten a couple of good reviews. Very happy about that. And um, I just wanted to ask if you already own the book, go ahead and review us on Amazon. This really helps us. If you go and search on Amazon right now, it's kind of hard to find us because newer books are kind of at the bottom. So as people review them more, they, they come up and we become more findable, I guess. Of course, the more they buy, the higher we are, the easier we are findable too. So that just that buy helps a thousand too. books the yes, next, time, yes. next time you shop on Amazon, and, and we're we're golden. Yes, but we've gotten some good feedback on the Kindle version, and I think we've sold more of the Kindle version, like almost twice as many of the Kindle version as the hard copy version. And we did we actually thought about how to format the Kindle version first. We wanted to make sure we've had a couple of um, fitness and nutrition books that we viewed on Kindle and were very hard to read because the, the diagrams were so small, the exercises were um, were hard to follow um, because the descriptions were like built sort of uh, in the image of the exercise and it was really hard to follow on such a small screen. So we took extra special care to uh, provide uh, images that are viewable on your Kindle. So even if you have the black and white Kindle, it looks really good. And um, the, char- the workout charts and forms are pretty legible too, but also we have them on our website. So you can go, there's a link um, in the book where you can uh, follow on our website and you can uh, go and download the forms and um, print them off or whatever you like. Yeah, so. that's, that's pretty cool. So we're excited about that and uh, while this is going... Now we can just watch it sell and wait for your feedback and work on your on our other projects, which are... Your other book. My other your book. Your next book. Yeah. yeah. So it's exciting. Yeah. Another thing we're talking about, it's a couple of days before Christmas here, and I don't know when you're listening to this, but we had a pretty cool thing up on um, our website giving you some ideas about how to give gifts for Christmas that will also make um, your family or friends healthier. And just a kind of like a a, a note of caution don't give fitness and health related (laughs) gifts to people that don't care about it um i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty bad to meet your wife just coming out of um you know the hospital with a baby with a pair of sneakers um Uh, i'm gonna have to make a trip to the store (laughs) 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 got a return to make yeah so it's you know there's a time to give fit gifts if you know your husband's gonna enjoy a couple of new kettlebells do it if you know your mom is waiting for a, a massage gift certificate do it um and um definitely buy your um fitness nerd nutrition friends a subscription to the Alan Aragon Research Review. Uh, but doing that for somebody who doesn't care, of course, is not going to make them happy. Yes. Um, years ago, my mother, Meredith, who's uh, no longer with us, her 
uh, her husband gave her um, a thigh master for, for Christmas. Nice. And um, let's just say everyone in the room cringed, including my mother. <laughs> And um, not a fan of Suzanne Somers. You know he didn't. You know, God bless him. He saw her. He misunderstood when she saw it on television, and she said something like, "Oh, I need that." Oh, okay. And he, oh, mental note. And you know, again, you know, six months later, here's the thigh master. <laughs> the only I need that is if she sees jewelry and diamonds on television. That's yes. usually not the wrong I need that. Yes. But if she would have said Bert, which was his name, Bert. I could really use a thigh master. I still don't know if Christmas would have been the right time for it, but <laughs> but at least then he could say, Meredith, you said, Bert, I need a thigh master. Yeah. Um, He's probably just a little trigger happy because usually it's, oh, I don't want anything. I don't, I don't need a gift. But you know you need to get him a gift. So yeah. he figured, hey, she's telling me what to do. No. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But anyways, back to our list. We have a couple of really cool books on our um, Christmas gift list. And even if you don't give them to anybody for Christmas, you can still go and check it out because we have Lou Schuler and Alan Cosgrove's The New Rules of Lifting Supercharged on there. Yeah, some of these are going to be really good for like when you're not seeing somebody on Christmas, like the you know the family, or you're gonna, when you go back to work and you have some a friend that you're going to give a, a gift to because you're going to have to do the overnight shipping at this point. But <laughs> um, although so a lot of the books are Kindle ver- versions, and you can. You can give those yeah, you know, and, instantaneously. And if you didn't know that, if you buy the Kindle as a gift, you just get like a little uh, email card that just says, hey, so-and-so bought you this gift. So you just get it in your email. And you can print it. Yeah. And it makes a little certificate that you can put in an envelope. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty neat. And it's instantaneous for those people that have a Kindle or a Kindle reader. Or you can email them the certificate if, if you're lazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice touch. So it's pretty neat. We also have The 4-Hour Chef on there, which... Um, yeah, have you seen that? Mm-hmm. The 4-Hour really, Chef? We're no. really hoping that people buy and enjoy. It's a huge book. Oh, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, when you said hit huge book, I, I knew yeah, it because there you go. I haven't even cracked my four-hour body yet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, well you're, getting as, you're getting as much out of it not reading it as you are reading it. Wow. But um, except for the swing part of it. There's a really good thing on the kettlebell swing in there. So. And the functional movement screen. Is that in there too? Mm, interesting. I read, I read somebody else's copy of it and decided that I, I had enough of it. So Yeah, Great Cook pretty much said that Tim Ferriss called him and said, can you give me a fix, even if you've never done the FMS on me? Oh, wow. So that was a good challenge. And interesting. Of course, Great Cook stood up to it. but Well, you know what I like? I mean, a little tangent, but I mean, I liked a lot of the things in the four-hour body. What I didn't like was too much, um, is it hyperbole? Or too much, you know. It was, Exaggeration? Yeah, yeah, it's like... You know, I think a lot of those things really can work, but I don't think that they worked for the reasons yeah. that they always say they like work. Like the cold, the cold thermogenesis? Yeah. But I mean, you can, the, but I have several friends that are on the slow carb diet yeah. and they're doing very well on it. Right. So. Yeah, I had a couple friends uh, initially, they did, they did, had a great success uh, and then sort of cycled through to um, more individualized um, approach to nutrition and and sort of compounded what they had gained or, or lost, rather, with the slow carb. Um, but they, they seem to give me the feedback that they wish they just would have started with the individualized. That's maybe. what all of us right. kind of I, hope I, we can start I with. I think the benefit of 
like this the slow carb diet which you know in theory thousands of people are doing is it gives you a little bit of confidence that it's really going to work rather than oh if somebody gives me an individualized one i have to trust that this person really knows what they're talking about and it's trial and error sometimes and it's not a package to program you know to follow but three of the people did the slow carb diet um that i know and those well i mean of the of the people that i know three of them eventually went beanless too because, well, because they felt like you know their spouses would be better off if they were in beanless. It's a bit of social integration. Yeah, yeah. because I mean their level of bean. I mean they had always eaten some beans, but their level really went up because they were like, oh, you know. I would really hesitate to recommend a lot of legumes to any of my clients. Yeah, It'd be hard. Yeah. Back to the four-hour body. Oh, okay. Back to the four-hour four hour chef. chef. Sorry. Okay, so what I like about it is, I, I, from what I understand, I don't have it yet, but. Uh, from the people that I've talked to who do have it, they uh, there are not a lot of recipes in it, but there are, I mean, there are quite a few recipes in it, but it's not as much of a cookbook, but as a series of cooking lessons, and also lessons about food. You know, there's some stuff about hunting for people who want to hunt. There, and it's just a lot of things. But what Tim Ferriss used the medium of cooking for was a less was lessons in how to learn. So it's really a book about how to learn in new and different ways. And he uses cooking because he thinks everyone should know how to cook. And we'll find that interesting. Yeah, we'll come back to it because we're, we're getting it as we speak. So we'll talk about it the next time we record a podcast. And maybe we'll have something more specific to share about it. So check out that list of gifts. It's, it's pretty neat. There is the whole package of um, aligned and well restorative exercise DVDs on there, which I think every um, house in the world should own, uh, so that when somebody has stomach pain or they can't breathe or their knee hurts, you can pop up one of those DVDs and put it in the DVD player and do some restorative exercise and feel better. Yeah, a lot of these things are on Amazon. So if you get an Amazon gift card, just realize that you don't you don't necessarily just a lot of people just think it's books. Mm-hmm. But there's, they have a lot of. We do a lot. We buy a lot of things on Amazon that aren't. So that aren't go books. through your website first, then there you go. Go in the Amazon store, right? Yep, and yeah. we'll be we'll be pretty happy with that because Amazon right. kicks us a little percentage of what we sell. Do you have any interesting, Bobby? Do you have any interesting Christmas, Christmas gift? gifts that you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be fitness related? Sometimes it could be wellness. Oh yeah, related. Well, um, I I was just actually when you were speaking initially about the don't get fitness or health implements for family members I was laughing because my um, my sister actually asked for a scale for nice. Christmas so yeah it was, it was good in that sense but then now you know if I do get it for her I'll have to tell her about you know keeping it uh, into perspective as far as the weight loss and, and what that entails and uh, you know looking at different measures so um, just other things other, other than the things scale aside from the scale yeah because it's it's you know as, as we all know tells one, one very narrow part of the story as far yeah. as weight loss goes and uh, beginning on to... Is she going to be listening to this? She may. So, <laughs> so you know, that's lesson number one. But <laughs> it'll be... A, it'll, no, my point is it's a good chance to um, to sort of educate a little bit. Yeah. More subtly and, and not... Because you can't go to your family members. I mean, they know what I do. They know I read all day about health and fitness. They know, I, you know what I've studied. And they come to me occasionally when they when they need advice or, or anything, but I can't be the one to constantly be just, hey, you know what I learned today? This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you know. Yeah. So I I get 
uh, excited when the, when these opportunities arise. Like, it, is, it is very Give a cool. gift out of love and then at the same time say, hey, this is how you use it properly. That is, that is very neat. I, I feel like with females, scales are even a bigger devil because you get those week or two weeks out of the month where the scale is just not something you want to get on. And it just takes time to learn what hormonal changes can do to the scale and how the scale is a liar. So I, I like to use a couple of different things and really educate close people on it. And Roland can't face the scale, so he's using the zero scale right now. Yes. No scale? Or no, it's a scale that you step on it once. Don't say I can't face the scale. I just thought it would be funny. It measures it, yeah. And then, yeah, I, okay. and then it's, so I'm down to negative six. So yeah. negative, that's pounds. Yeah. So well, that's a it's yeah. funny because if I get on it, I'm like negative eighty. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> My daughter <laughs> stepped on it. She goes, "I don't understand. What's negative nine? And what's negative eighty-two? <laughs> what is that? Is that in negative kilograms? I mean, no, like, that's why like, have I lost eighty? That's what? less than what I weighed. Eighty Calvin, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. All right. So another really cool thing we wanted to tell you about is um, we went to a workshop this Saturday. And it was a Primal Move workshop. And if you haven't heard about Primal Move, you will hear about it. I hope it doesn't become... Incessantly. Yeah, I hope Primal Move doesn't become like the paleo diet, where it's like everybody's talking about it. That doesn't seem very primal. (laughs) Whether they they know what it is or they don't know what it is. And I hope it doesn't become like CrossFit, where everybody takes it and starts... Primitive man don't wear Columbia pants. Mm, there you go. <laughs> so Primal Moves is a system of movement and natural movement where you are taken as a student through a whole bunch of movements relating to natural human movement. And a lot of it is just simple movements on the ground, like rolling and crawling and um, creeping and hanging later on and climbing later on and the goal of primal move is to pretty much get you back to what is natural healthy human balanced movement without a whole bunch of specific exercises for example if somebody comes to me and has an issue with their hip mobility i have to give them a whole bunch of hip mobility corrective exercises that will get them to normal movement and a normal movement pattern with primal move that happens within a bigger movement so you might be crawling or you might be doing something else with your hips that doesn't necessarily look like correction it looks more like play but it gets the job done and gets the the job done very very quickly so i really love that about primal move it's simple almost anybody can do it and if you can't do it you can do it to the extent where you can do it and little by little your body kind of adapts there's no instruction there's no speaking so the person leading the class is silent and you just follow along and this is something that i really like because it's very natural and it's very much like how we learn from our parents or you know close relatives watching them move without much instruction we just follow And it's not so much a process of learning new movement, but remembering very simple stuff that you did as a baby or a toddler. Yeah. Is that a pretty... Yeah, I think so. ...good explanation? Yeah. And I think there's like a couple of different movements towards these sort of primal movement patterns that are out there. And uh, this one seems like it's almost the most basic. It's not 
I mean, there's no, I mean, it, this isn't one. I mean, you see some on the internet where people are like lifting logs and, you know, they're using natural implements for jumping the exercise, from jumping from tree to tree and climbing right. trees and swinging over things and vaulting stuff. All of those are cool and all of those are, are, are valid ways to exercise and to have fun. But this is a little more basic. This is um, almost like, I mean, I hate to say physical therapy, but I mean, it's not, it's more like, well, the goal of primary... I like how you said you're remembering you're remembering the movement patterns that you that used to do. Yeah. Like, like developmental movement I patterns. I have, um, on, on my website, in fact, I'll throw it out right now just mm-hmm. in case I forget, um, but back in college I started this website uh, during my undergrad, and it's called Moving for Wellness. So um, my, my idea was that I would sort of, you know, I saw, I was personal training, I saw my colleagues there at, at the, the school rec center um, you know and I saw the people just had this deficit this movement deficit when they came in so I wanted to sort of have a program like a remedial movement program mm-hmm. and, and so I started calling it movement training and started doing some some of that what is now primal move so I, I mean I never really formalized it and, and mm-hmm. put it in a package but yeah I, I, I definitely see that there's a need for that and and as you say, it is play, and it gets back to the rudimentary patterns that we, we sort of engineered out of our lives. So uh, I'm all for it. I've seen a couple of YouTubes of this uh, Primal Move, and I'm, I'm looking forward to looking into it a lot more. It's been very cool, and I'm, I'm going to try to get Paul Daniels, our instructor, on here to talk about it a little bit more. Um, yeah. But what I loved about it is that it achieves what... I need at least 30 or 40 minutes of corrective exercise to achieve in 10 or 15 minutes, and it's fun. Mm -hmm. And I think for our clients, the element of play is really important psychologically and and mentally. And it's one thing to come into your workout expecting to roll on the floor and chase each other crawling and running on all four versus, oh, we, we got to grab this band now and do this 11 times and while watching in the mirror. So it's a different different way of using your body, and it's very instinctive. And I like I that. I think it's a good um, movement prep mm-hmm. kind of a thing. A so at the beginning, I mean, you know, you, you, we always talk about warm-ups being, okay, you're going to go on the treadmill for five minutes, or you're going to go and then you're going to lift half, you know, if you're lifting weights, you got to do more reps at a higher, at a lighter weight, get your muscles warmed up. Those are all, you know, okay. But this one, I think, I think it's attractive in a sense because it it allows you. First of all, it's a little bit ritualistic. So I mean, there's mm-hmm. specific things, movements you're doing. So it's sort of like the like when you start with yoga, everyone, most instructors have you do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you come back in every week and you're you get doing better. The basic because you're trying to get better because it's a skill. And these primal moves are a skill, too. And unfortunately, it's a skill that we, we've lost because of, as we've ranted and raved the last uh, three, about the kind of movements that we've lost over the, over the years. Like, not as a society, but um, each of us. Mm-hmm. Because from sitting too much, driving too much, using computers. And it starts with kids. Like, when you, as soon as kids go to, well, I mean, they're taught to sit. Yeah, on, they go chairs, to school they, and they, things you know, go downhill. They're in cars from and in car seats from you know day two, mm-hmm. and from then on they go to school and they're sitting at home and 
It's, it, it's bad. And there's people like uh, Katie Bowman from the Restorative Exercise Institute that's doing a lot about early childhood development and even in her own life not having furniture in her house for her kids yeah. and or not having car seats and or not having strollers using straps and, you know, more, more soft ways to hold a child or just even holding the child where, you know, the kid's pushing against you and is developing the muscular system way earlier than, than it would if it was just plopped in a car seat. But... What I love about Primal Move most is that it focuses on movement quality and people don't know how poor their movement quality is. Even if you run the functional movement screen on some other sort of screen to show their movement quality, they still don't know what that means. But when you take them through 10 or 12 flow movements and they feel where they're stuck, they can really appreciate when they master the movement and they get unstuck. Yeah. And I was telling Paul, this looks so much like the martial arts warm-ups that mm-hmm. I was doing with my dad when I was little. It looks so much like my classical ballet warm-ups. Mm-hmm. It looks so much like yoga. It's just the fundamental m- human movement patterns. There's there's overlap with a lot of other things that we've done. Yeah. And I think compared, I mean, the the FMS is a good screen, but, but you're right. People don't understand, like, why am I doing this? And if you do the correctives for them... They're movements that they're not typically doing in real life. No, they're, they're not very natural. They're sort of artificial movements, movements designed to fix the problem. But after I fix that problem, I'm still not going to do that movement. I'm going to do another movement that's similar. And it's still, to me, it, it keeps, you know, we're going to talk about motivation and, and sort of drive a little bit later. But part of the part of the reason we move is such a spiritual endeavor and, and so fulfilling on that level that... Uh, to keep someone in the intellectualized realm with, uh, you know, we're, we're guilty of giving them exercise prescription to a certain degree, nutrition prescription and this mm-hmm. prescription and that mm-hmm. prescription. FMS is great. It's, uh, it's you know, back to the type of primal foundational movements that we're talking about, but still it keeps one in that realm of, you know, the very super scientific, which is which is great for the industry and, and the, the people who, who adopt it and use it, but for the client, it... You know, you have to be careful not to keep, not to, I guess, engineer play aspect out of it, mm-hmm, out of their mm-hmm. their mission, their their, their voyage. So, yeah, that's, I that's like that. I like, I like that. And what's really cool, and I'm going to finish with this, is uh, if you do the FMS on somebody and then run them through a primal move workout, their score is going to go up immediately after the workout, which is a good testimony of the the power of remembering movement patterns versus engineering them and plopping them on top of somebody just intellectually versus just allowing the nervous system to do what it's designed to do. And I think a lot of the movement methods are going to go more into that, especially through my work with restorative exercise. I'm seeing it more and more going back to remembering what's normal versus doing these unnatural things that are supposed to get us to look a certain way. Because even if you look a certain way, you're still going to pay a price sooner or later, whether it's psychologically or within some other aspect of your life that you did not expect. And I I see that a lot with some of my uh, very passionate strength training clients. better to look good than to feel good, darling. (laughs) You're too funny. Okay. Okay, enough of this. So enough of this. Another super quick thing, and we're going to dive into motivation with Bobby. And it's... Two days. Two days until our 21-day detox. I'm going to drink a gallon of half and half. (laughs) (laughs) 
so our detox is almost done. We, we've done almost three weeks of no dairy and um, not even a single beer. And That's not, right. not that we're alcoholics or anything, you know us, but... Why is um, your hand shaking? <laughs> but it's, a, it's been interesting. My biggest complaint with this is I'm not hungry. So I have to remind myself to eat because I'm not hungry. I guess the thought of another cup of soup or another salad with beef is just not exciting. So I'm just not hungry. I can't get excited about an egg. Me, on the other hand, if there's enough leftover beef for me or soup in the refrigerator and I could just get it, I'll, you know, I would have to stop myself. So for me, the biggest complaint is that you know, I don't really have a complaint. I mean, because it's, it's pretty much done. It, it, it has limited my... It makes it easy for me to limit what I eat. So, like my late night snacking. I mean, I don't really crave, you know, meat <laughs> for <a late laughs> or night vegetables snack. late at night. And I do crave fruit, but if I, you know, I've tried to limit my fruit. And um, aside from friends keep giving us persimmons, um, <laughs> we haven't. I haven't bought any fruit that I like. No. So I've kept the fruit out of the house. So you know, because otherwise I'll eat. You know, I'll just keep going back to the kitchen looking for fruit. So, for me, the biggest complaint, I guess, is if I'm on the road and I need something to eat, it's really hard to just go, even to like a grocery store, you got to go to the deli department and get that, you know, get a whole bunch of cold meat or something like that. And a jar of sauerkraut. Well, and then if you buy some vegetables, <laughs> yeah, if you buy some vegetables, then where are you going to wash them, you know, and yeah. so it's, it gets a little bit challenging it's surprising and I've always had this problem even before this detox where it's hard to go to a grocery store and buy a snack yeah. like that, that's like that's the healthiest we, place that, be, be, that's why we started at Mule I know but it's still hard for snacks it's because hard. unless you want to buy a bar like a bar because like I'm out in the car during the day and if I buy a snack I either have to eat the whole thing eat that whole thing or throw it away, or hope that it's something that's not going to go bad by the time I get home and can stick it in the refrigerator. Yeah. So I can't buy like a, like a tube of Braunschweiger because <laughs> yeah. I'd have to eat the whole thing or throw it away. Yeah. Other than nuts or a can of fish, I'm hard-pressed to think of what is compliant with... But even at the grocery store, the nut fish is fine because you could buy a can of sardines. Yeah. Smoked, smoked oysters. Mm. Mm. Some mustard and hot sauce. That's a sarcastic for me. <laughs> but, but you can't buy like a single serving of nuts at the grocery store. You have to buy like and a big, huge bag. The yeah. 4,000 so calories of macadamias. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the servings of... That you, the things, the beef jerky that you can buy has all sorts of sugar and not soy. I'm not concerned about soy sauce, but it's got like extra like monosodium glutamate, all these weird things. I mean, you can find it sometimes, but it's not very convenient. So snacking, it's made snacking hard, which means that I just don't snack. So yeah, less calories. Yeah, less calories. And I, I challenge you to eat an avocado without a spoon or a knife. I can do it. Uh, suck, you suck it out like yeah. a pear, like an egg. Do? Like I you suck it, it out like an egg. I just eat it. I just start peeling it with with my oh, nails, wow. and then I just eat it. Oh wow! I'm, I've been hungry. Well, I've <laughs> squeezed, squeezed a uh, an avocado out of like the a really ripe one, and just like you know, like gogurt. Huh? Yeah, the like go go avocado. So it's been good. The detox has been good. I've lost like half a pound, but my body doesn't like to lose weight, so. That's where I am. I, I have a question. Have you guys been checking um, body comp 
like to BIA mm-hmm. or anything? Yeah. I, I I use calipers. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I have lost four millimeters off my abdominal fold and two off my leg, mm-hmm. and that's usually. That's normal for half a pound of, of fat. Yeah. She, she measured my body fat, but she didn't write it down. I remember it. What is it? I don't know. Ah. <laughs> I have to check. So, okay. So, what, what my quickly, my plan to come off the detox is I'm going to pick the, the thing that I like the most, that, I'm, that I've missed the most. Oh, but now what's it going to be? Beer. Breakfast burrito. Well, because the beer that I drink is I'm going to have gluten-free beer anyway. But it's still so, alcohol. We haven't yeah. been having it. Uh, I, I haven't been detoxing. I've just been limiting the alcohol. I'm going to look forward to trying a piece of cheese again yeah. and see how what I feel. What kind? Let's see what kind of cheese woman you are. I really like to get the raw milk cheese from Trader Joe's. And Kerrygold is my favorite. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been eating the most. Um, other than that, I love really soft cheeses. I love brie. I'm a big brie fan. But I won't do it. So I've been I've been drinking most of my coffee with coconut milk, and I do like it. But I miss I miss when I'm out somewhere being able to have some half and half. half. And half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at home the coconut milk has been just fine, but it's hard to you know lug a can of coconut milk with you. And yeah. and there's like really at a co- most coffee places they don't have any good options. Well, it's cold enough. You can just lug a cube of coconut milk now. Yeah. Coconut, uh, I, I, I have, have these little portion cups yeah. that are little snap-on lids, and I do yeah. when I'm out. He carries them around. It's very cute. Yeah. It's very OCD, like a bodybuilder. Yeah, I just... Your own food you know, with you. But the last couple of days, I just haven't... You know, if I get... If the coffee's good, I like it black. Yeah. But if it's... Uh, Pike Place, then I gotta put the coconut, <laughs> coconut milk in if it. If it's Pike Place, no offense, Starbucks. They're not, they're not. You don't have them as a sponsor to the show. Right? No, not yet, and no. probably never will yeah, after well, now. You burn that bridge. Yep. Yes, <laughs> they're old. I mean, uh, they're old. Good coffee. Their old standard coffee was awesome, yeah. but then they switched to the Pike. And I don't like it. Pike, we don't like. Okay. No, oh, it rhymes. So hmm. we're ending this year with a detox. We're also starting it with a detox. Um, and we'll talk more about that on our website. But watch out if you're looking for something to really kick your butt into shape in the beginning of the year. We'll be launching a, a nice program that we'll do in January. And uh, you can join us for yeah. that. I've had a lot of people that said they wanted to do it and they, they missed the, you know, because we didn't really announce that we were going to do this. So for, I said, I told them, all well, you can still do 14 days, but they, you know. Well, 14 days is just not serious. How much fat could they possibly lose? That's in that right. Point? So, <laughs> how much healthier could you so possibly So, starting in get? January, I'm assuming January 2nd. Um, yeah. You know, it's probably a good day. No big. one wants to start on January 1st, but. No, because you're still recovering. Okay. So, starting the new year has a lot to do with motivation. And I'm very happy that we have Bobby with us mm-hmm. for this and for this topic. So, from now on, we're, we're putting this kind of under the umbrella of motivation and going really deep, unexpectedly deep for a show like ours, into into the iceberg that motivation is and, and what motivates people. And I get to ask questions and um, it'll be fun. So Bobby, tell us about it. Well, um, let me tell you about myself first a little bit more. Um, so as you mentioned, I am... Uh, Check uh, level two holistic lifestyle coach. Um, just completed that, so all this information is fresh. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Um, but my formal education, aside from that, is uh, I have a bachelor's in kinesiology from San Diego State University, and um, 
I'm currently about finished with my master's in kinesiology at Cal State Fullerton. So I uh, just got to do my, my thesis, which is going to be a... Um, uh, it'll get boring if we get into it, but it's going to be having to do with self-efficacy and how um, some of the strategies that we as fitness professionals use, such as um, relapse prevention and barriers training, so strategizing, um, you know, if you're going to start on a wellness or fitness program, these are the barriers you're going to encounter. Uh, how will you get over them? So I'm looking at that piece and seeing if it affects self-efficacy. Can you, for those people that don't know what self-efficacy is, can you kind of extrapolate? Sure. So self-efficacy is a term that is, it falls under the umbrella of, um, well, no, actually rather, confidence falls under self-efficacy. So they're somewhat related. We all know that confidence plays heavily into how we approach a task or, or some you know, whatever performance we, we approach, we sort of take a personal inventory and say, can I do this? Do I have the ability to have the tools? Do I have the support? We kind of do that math in our head ahead of time. So if we find ourselves wanting or lacking confidence, then we're likely not to engage in the behavior. Uh, self-efficacy is sort of an immediate evaluation or immediate form of confidence. So it has to do with specific tasks. So when we're talking about weight loss or, or New Year's resolutions, if you say, for example, I resolve to fill in the blank, your self-efficacy is the self-perceived ability to accomplish that goal. Okay. Okay. So that's that's that in, in a nutshell. Uh, the confidence self-efficacy thing is, is deep and it can you know get real hairy, real boring, real quick. Uh, but for the purpose of, of the show and, and the audience, um, I'd like people to think of confidence as sort of your, uh, you know, bank account's a good analogy. Confidence is your balance. Self-efficacy is the withdrawal or deposit. So if you make enough withdrawals of self-efficacy, so if you evaluate your, your own ability to accomplish a goal and you find that you're not able to or you think you're not able to, do that enough times, that's a withdrawal. So you'll erode on your confidence balance okay. over time. Mm. So that, that's, a, that's, that's a very cool way to put it. <clears throat> so would you say that self-efficacy is something that's on a sliding scale and you can your self-efficacy can go from high to low depending on your results? Well, it's sort of a it's sort of an evaluation you do before you even start the process. Okay. So it's just an estimate. And it's um, you know, if if I see a, a big boulder over there, I sort of make um, a judgment on whether or not I think I can do that, whether okay. or not I think I can lift it. So it's not, see, that's the thing. It doesn't even have to do with the outcome okay. of the performance. If just the thought that, oh, look at that, it's daunting. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Just giving myself enough of those thoughts will possibly, and this is what I'm going to dis uh, investigate, that may possibly um, lead into decline in performance over time. So lack of success in, in whatever the task is. And it's sort of a catch-22 because right. if you have a lack of success, then for future events, your self-efficacy will be lower. Exactly. Yeah. That's, right. a, that's a very interesting... It is, and it's it's hairy and sticky, and, and, you know, sorry for if we lost any uh, listeners oh, right like, there. I, but. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Roland Silway. You lost Roland and Harry. Yeah. Okay, so you were talking about yourself um, and Czech and the Czech holistic. Right. So I, as I said, I was um, I'm finishing my my masters, um, but I I still needed a little bit more to in order to. focus and zero in on some of the deeper issues that I have encountered because so, I've, I've worked as a personal trainer. Um, I've worked, uh, I still currently work in healthcare as a chronic condition management, um, specialist. So I, I just help people carry out their plans, um, whether it's medication or whether it's, a, you know, a series of labs or whatever the, whatever the process is, I help them, um, execute that that plan that care plan so what i'm saying is that these prescribed programs and these sort of um, lists of things to do don't always cut it and so i had to do do some reading do some investigation of different programs and different um, you know just philosophies and and the czech philosophy was one that really caught my interest and and i've been you know i've completed two modules and and I've, i've gained a lot of knowledge and, and I feel like experience too because um, it just goes so deep and it really the process goes that you have to really work on yourself first mm-hmm. before you work on anybody else so um, that has been really beneficial that is very cool I think it's calling the modules is underselling it <laughs> right <laughs> because you know I mean, a Czech practitioner already knows a lot you know, you've been taught a lot and then to go through the level two is a huge step above so um right it was a five day you know all day um event out in oceanside so yeah it was but it was just it's one of those um sort of spiritual and and totally all-encompassing all-fulfilling sort of things uh experiences so now, um, does, does paul check teach them paul check teaches the the level two because it does involve a lot of um it basically the level two and, and for those of you who don't know um, Paul Cech is um, out of Vista, California, and uh, he runs a series of, of um, certifications, and he has books, and, and he writes, and, and the full spectrum. Uh, so he, the level one, HLC level one, is just for basically an extension of his 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 book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, and that's something that's for the general population, and so. He goes into in depth, and it's more self care than anything else. Level two is really deep into philosophy, and and he lays out this this one two three four program or plan rather on how to effectively coach people, and you can apply it to yourself. It's it's not something that's only exclusively for uh, fitness professionals or, or or coaches, but it is really really deep. And actually, we had a couple. Uh, who didn't finish? They they went the first couple days, and and it just really it challenges a lot of your core beliefs because core beliefs are what sort of inform our uh, those ideas we have about ourselves. So like the self efficacy we started out talking about, a lot of that is informed by my core beliefs about myself, and so if those beliefs are faulty or if they're hindering our progress, then we have to sort of reevaluate and reason, you know. So uh, for a lot of people, it's a big step. It's a lot to ask. And that's, I think, where we run into trouble with some clients um, of ours is and, and patients of, of mine is they have a certain idea of what is health or what is 
what their life should be, how they should live their life, and you turn around and, and give them a diabetes diagnosis, and they, you know, maybe they've been vegetarian, vegan for 15 years, and it just doesn't make any sense to them. Well, you have to step back and reevaluate some of those core beliefs, some of the facts, some of the, you know, so that's really at the level it is if you really want effective change, behavior change in yourself or in your clients. So what you're saying is that motivation, if we go back to motivation and making any change and the drive to change really goes back to your beliefs. Correct. And changing your beliefs, in my opinion, I don't know if I'm, I'm not a specialist in this, must be the hardest thing to change. Right, because if you do not at least address those beliefs, and you, I mean, you don't have to change them. There's some beliefs, there's some core beliefs, like, for example, some things that are very subjective, like, you know, theology or religion, um, that's very near and dear to a lot of people, and chances are they're not going to change over over a lifetime even. So at least knowing how those may work into some of the decisions we make, uh, for example, you know, if, if you're constantly stressed, we, we know, we're well aware of the role stress plays in our lives, in our, in, in our health. If we're constantly stressed that um, we do X behavior and it's considered a sin, um, you know, that sort of thing is going to weigh heavy on us for a lifetime. If we're in a marriage that we don't, you know, that's toxic to both parties involved and for whatever reasons, for religious reasons, whatever, you can't divorce or, you know, you have to stay in that. It's going to have health implications. So there's no amount of coaching or, or health or lifestyle uh, coaching that will bring someone out of that sort of hole, that deficit. Mm -hmm. And so... For me, what, what, what I see in, in my clients, and I don't know if it's like that with you, Roland, is people don't know what they believe. So sometimes we, as much as this is not our job as nutrition coaches and, and trainers, we start asking questions that go really deep. And maybe people don't like that, and maybe don't they don't like to hear that they need to sleep eight hours a night and they need to take care of themselves. Well, a lot of times these things come up because, like you said, they have these these beliefs that either they're not willing to change or they feel they can't change for some reason. And when that comes up, oftentimes what I tell people is to okay, if you if you have this thing that's insurmountable, you it's out of your control. It could be anything. I have kids, and they wake up at night, and they keep me—you know—they keep me awake. I can't get enough sleep, but I can't take a nap at work. I have to go to work. The only job I have is 50 miles away. I have to drive. Well, so I tell them, well, then it's that much more important to change the things that you can control, mm -hmm. because I understand you can't control these things right now. Maybe you can control some of them later, but in the meantime. It's that much more important to control the things that are in your control and to get those things. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in sports psychology, it's called control the controllables. So you have to realize, you know, and it, it goes, it works this way into like this 12 step program, you know, the serenity prayer and, and, and that sort of thing. Give me the knowledge to know what I can and can't change. Um, so with the, with the issue of, of control and the, the problem that you were describing there, uh, or the solution rather that you're describing, get them to change those little things they can control. A lot of the problems I run into when I suggest that is that those things seem insignificant. 
and so they're not really convinced that they're going to be of much use or help. You know, if, if you if you tell someone, okay, you're drinking you're drinking soda, let's switch you to diet. You know, it's, it's a step, um, and then let's switch you off of soda. Well, they they may not take that final leap to get off of diet coke or diet soda because all the evidence out there that they see says hey there's no sugar sugar's the only thing bad that's in soda I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine you know it just doesn't it's not worth it to them and so they won't modify their life they won't make that adjustment uh, because it means something much more than just going from diet to uh, black or green tea or even water you know so you can't you often find yourself stuck in the, the roadblock of progression from worse evil to lesser evil to no evil you, you you oftentimes just land there in the middle and so that's when you start talking about motivation and behavior change and and then uh, the, the sort of mainstream fitness world doesn't address that thing we're talking about which is the beliefs not at all and i, I think the the mainstream fitness world and, and we had a discussion like that on facebook a couple of weeks ago and with with you was you know we pretty much look at positive motivation and negative motivation and do this thing and I'll buy you a new pair of jeans when you lose the weight or do this thing or you'll die from a heart attack. None of those runs deep with your beliefs or your dreams for yourself or how you see yourself in your environment, how you see yourself fitting within your family, within your friend circle, within your work. How does this fit within who you believe who you are Mm -hmm. and what drives you, what makes you wake up in the morning and Sometimes our clients say, well, of course you eat well and you exercise. It's your job. I'm like, no. My job is to be able to run a you know, a sufficiently good fitness evaluation on you and a movement screen and to be able to coach you with better choices in your food. My job isn't to eat well and to move. We know plenty of trainers out there who do neither and they still do their job. So for me, it's a part of my values. It's a part of what drives me to eat well and to move well, not because those are things that are self-serving and I'm you know, patting myself on the back every time I eat a salad, but because it is, it is what it is. It, it's no different than brushing my teeth or not cheating on my husband. It's, it's a part of, of things that are normal in life. Right, and that's to, that to me. That sort of indicates um, the level that a lot of people are sort of walking around uh, thinking that hey, you, if you're doing this, if you're doing this behavior, eating well, moving well, you must be getting something out of it, concrete, something monetary, something you know. You must be doing it not for self-fulfilling purposes, but for other additional purposes. So, I think it's good that we can sort of take use that as an instructive tool that like like you did maybe it gets them to think hey well maybe i can do that just for the feeling the subjective feeling i'll have to, to me myself and not just because it's going to bring me riches or um, even um, win me favor next doctor's appointment i mean that's sort of an external uh, incentive and so part of my work and writing and, and and investigation into the literature has been how do we cultivate internal motivating factors for people in day-to-day you know lives what no matter what what the objective you need to talk about internal um, intrinsic motivational factors because those are what sustains the behavior extrinsic ones may work for 
two months or three well, months. Yeah. Hey, I have a wedding coming up or I have my prom or I need to show my insurance that my cholesterol is low enough so that I can get a good rate. But they don't last with you. And Aren't you listeners glad that she gave an example of an extrinsic? <laughs> so you all now know what it means. You're I didn't. You're so funny. <laughs> um, but Roland is an example of somebody who lost weight 10 years ago and he lost 100 pounds. And he maintained it. And that's very rare, mm-hmm. 10 years later. And um, that's that's how he got to write a book about it and um, brag. But what he says is he became happy and then he lost weight. Right. He doesn't say, oh, I wanted to fit in my uh, Armani jeans and, you know, be... All Sergio sp- Valente. Sergio yeah. Valente. He he didn't want to fit into a pair of skinny jeans. Right. Uh, that might as well be mine. I still um, can't. <laughs> he still can't. Um, but... No, but I will say that I had those previous goals yeah. before and that's why... You know, having those types of goals. Butt off the couch, right? But initially, well, yeah. But then I would all slip back. I mean, I didn't decide to lose weight, and then you know that just that one time. I had lost weight previously, and you know, and struggled constantly to lose it, thinking that if I just got, you know, if I just lost the you know twenty pounds, I would be happier. I would get a girlfriend, or um, I would be able to you know wear those. Those jeans. I mean, there were, you know, there were jeans that I wanted to wear. Ten years ago, we didn't, they were, we didn't have skinny jeans. So. I know, but it was 20 years ago when they were acid wash. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Good look. Yeah. But ultimately, something inside of you changed, and your hunger for food went into hunger for fitness or hunger for yeah. movement or, you know, mm. hunger for a specific feeling of self-fulfillment and and joy that you got out of who you were in your new lifestyle and that's what we kind of need to cultivate that's what's so hard to sell though because we know i mean as p i i have a similar story to roland i I lost 60 pounds um and you know as i was experiencing this sort of cosmic realization of what life really could be like it's inarticulable you cannot Tell it, you cannot speak it, you cannot uh, write about it, and to, to the best of my ability, I do, and I've, that's why I started my my website and my blog is because I wanted to sort of use that as an outlet, and if people you know catch on through that little by little, great. But it's sort of been the reason I turned back to um, academia is because I wanted to see what the literature says as far as how to bottle that up and spread it. That subjective experience of exercise is, is what it's called the feeling you get not just the runner's high not just the momentary but the feel the the long-term feeling you get when you're living correctly according to your nature see i've i've talked to my clients about it and um i was just trying to give a, a metaphor to somebody yesterday and i said think of it as sort of you're synchronized with certain things if you're in synchron synchrony synchronicity synchronicity if you're synchronized with <laughs> English, my third That's language. That's a police album, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're synchronized with nature, you're and, and I hate to use a new agey term, but I don't have a better one. You kind of vibrate at the same frequency, so you vibrate at the same frequency as a lettuce or an apple or an animal or something 
don't make fun of me, or something that's a part of nature, you're going to have a very much different result than if you want to tune yourself to the vibrations of a Coke or a Snickers bar, mm-hmm. which is not a part of nature. And even though we, we are in warm apartments and we have our modern housing, mm-hmm. we're still you know, a part of the animal world. We're still a part of, of nature. So moving is how we evolved to be and eating those things around us was how we evolved to be. And if we stop moving... And if we eat things that we did not evolve with, there's no way to feel good. So eating well and moving well is just a way to go back to how it's supposed to be. And people seem to get that. It, it kind of rings a different bell, even though it's, it sounds wacky. but They do get it, but of course, you the, know, they don't want to give up. Well, yeah, how to do it, right? Yeah. How to give up the vibration of an Oreo. I <laughs> Well, it goes out back to, to the beliefs again, you know, and do they, like, people go on low-carb diets and they fail. People go on low-carb diets and they succeed. They go on the paleo diet and they fail. They go on the paleo diet and they, they succeed. It really comes down to your belief. So if you believe, like, if you go on a low-carb diet and you think, well, this is just a way to limit my calories and... Um, studies show that this and that, and if you don't really believe that the the low carb mm-hmm. part of it is a benefit to you, right. or that the carbs or maybe the carb, maybe you believe the carbs are bad for you in high amounts. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't believe those things, you're more likely to fail because you're like, well, okay, well, you know, it's not a big deal. Well, you rationalize easier. I can go have the ice right. cream because it's not really doing it anyway. It's just limiting my calories. Right. If I eat less yeah. later. It's going to be, it's going to be, so it comes down again to the belief thing. If you believe in it, Mm -hmm. and it works to the negative too, because if you, it's people, what was your example earlier of people that, oh, I was going to say something. Um, If people believe something like they believe what the government says, Uh they, it comes down to this thing, this thing, a guy and I joke about it. There's that UFO poster, I want to believe, you know, there's this big UFO over the horizon or the, the forest. And people want to believe things. So you want to believe that some of these things are okay. Or like that a diet... Co- well, if you can look up the Diet Coke study and the regular Coke study right. and the water study, you can find a study that says what you want to believe. And, well, you know, I got my evidence right there. Diet Coke's fine. Cool so, that, yeah. so if you're telling me that I shouldn't be... That I'm going to do better without the Diet Coke, they might think that there's a small part of that that's true, but they think it's trivial. Mm-hmm. But the, what they don't understand is that all these trivial things add up, and they're especially important when you have all these other things that you still can't control in your life. That was a long ramble. That was a well, long ramble. You brought it back to full circle to what you were talking about earlier. Is you know, it's acknowledging that there are things you can't control, but making changes where where possible. And I wanted to, before I know I no, no, go, go, jumping go. in. The, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I learned from from Ayurveda. I know you studied Ayurveda and and, and uh, the culinary aspect. Um, but can you say what that is? Ayurveda is in traditional Indian medicine, so it is um, the sister science to yoga, is how they they call it. Um, a lot of it's you know in Sanskrit, and and, and I won't bore you with the terms, but. Uh, there is, there are the the energies, the doshas, and um, 
they all have qualities. Everything in Ayurveda, every inanimate object, every person, every time of day, every color, everything has a quality to it, ascribed to it. So one of the qualities, um, how it applies to motivation, is there are, uh, you know, we, we have the word lethargic or, or lethargy. Their term is uh, tamasic or T-A-M-A-S. And so certain foods, alcohol, for fermented foods to some degree, um, fried foods, those sort of encourage that sense, and it's a heavy sense. It's a it's a lazy, as I said, lethargy. As that accumulates, as you have those little things in your life that lead towards that, it could be what time of day you wake up, what you know, how you sleep, um, any anything. All those little tiny things add up, and there's sort of a net result. Okay, you're living your life. All these factors included you're in a tamasic state. And so making changes from that state is good. You can have all the scientific you know, techniques in the world to change your behavior motivation-wise or whatever, but if you're in that state, it's just going to be that much harder. You have to sort of get moved to a, another state by making all these little tiny changes, whether it's, as I said, an exercise routine, a certain diet, a certain uh, drink, a certain... You know, they all they all add up. So it goes back to that idea of these things really don't seem to matter to the general population. And it's our job to sort of say this is why um, these small changes will add up and, mm-hmm. and work towards your dream. So back to motivation. Um, it's okay. I'll let it slide. We were talking about New Year's resolutions and how people kind of set their eyes on a goal and very often I read a couple of columns for websites and they're predominantly read by women and they want to read a new diet every week it's pretty much like these lipsticks of new colors that they want to try and it's like oh uh, the the low carb diet oh a paleo diet oh um, you know the cabbage diet let's you know a diet where I eat something new every three days a diet where I get to try a Scandinavian breakfast on Friday whatever it is you they they look for novelty to get excited and they, they get excited and they're like okay I'm going to lose weight and they start eating the diet tomorrow but that lasts maybe till Wednesday or till Friday that's how most people approach their health and fitness goals oh I really want to start dancing and they kind of jump into it without even knowing why they want to start dancing so would you say that I would say those people are motivated in the beginning what did you say how would you say they differ for somebody that's motivated for real? So you're looking at how do you, how do you, because I was about to ask the same question. Like if you were making a resolution, resolution, um, or if you're trying to come up with a, like a, a goal, let's say you're trying to like, how do you realistically, and it goes, I think beyond realistic because people think, oh, can I actually do this to lose weight? Yes, I can do that. But the traditional version of realistic goal is different from are you motivated enough to stick with that for a long enough time um, to have it to have it work for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so your question is, how do you know if you're? How do you make yourself? How do you? How make do yourself? you? How do you get yourself yeah. into the state? Because people well, make long lists of res- resolutions, right? Right, and you can. You know, like if 
like if I asked my son or you mm-hmm. know a friend to make a list of you know some resolutions, I could probably look down them and say, oh yeah, you know that sounds good, but you're probably not going to stick to that. Right. You kind of know. So how do you? How would you tell somebody? What would you advice would you give them on how to choose ones that are important to them that they, in, a, in a in a way that would help them maintain it? Right, that's it. I think you said it um, initially. What I got was uh, you wanted to know. Okay, so you have these goals. How do you sort of bring yourself up to them? I, you said ch- how do you choose goals just now, and I think that's the key. Is you have to sort of re- refine if the goals are out of the question. Um, then you have to sort of refine that goal. And the way you do that, you, I really talk about goals in, um, in the sense of what is your dream or what is your, your primary cause at the moment. So it's not, goals are sort of procedural mm-hmm. things. Um, the, the dream or the, the, the purpose is more abstract and more sort of, it could be a concrete thing. Like I, I am gonna be 30 pounds lighter this time next year. It could be something like that. But it is more grandiose than just, I'm going to eat broccoli as a New Year's resolution. So um, the way you identify your dream, it's, of course, very individualized. And, and you can do it with someone. You can do it with a, with a health coach, with a you know, personal trainer, if, if, they're, if they're worth their salt to some, you know. Himalayan salt. Himalayan salt, Celtic sea salt. Um, but the way you can do that, if you have some friends, is a really cool trick. Um, get them uh, to get them to sort of repeat back what your dream is. So if you're, if it is like I said to lose thirty pounds, um, you make the statement, "I'm going to be thirty pounds lighter," and then they just repeat. They pair it back exactly what it is, and, and you sort of see how that sounds. And and chances are you'll realize that your statement is really sort of passive at first. It'll be like I just said, "I will be thirty pounds." lighter this time next year a better way of stating that would be I am 30 pounds lighter and it's this time next year so you're sort of already there mm-hmm. and that is is one way to sort of affirmatively recognize your dream and sort of set yourself in the right on the right course now to figure out whether or not it's doable that will sort of work itself out in that process because you have when you're when you're Leaving yourself vulnerable there before the gods, you know, before your friends, saying this is what I'm going to do, this is what I am a year from now, you're doing that self-evaluation that we talked about earlier. You're doing that all in your head, and it's something you're going to be honest with yourself about. Because there are others there, because you're taking the time to sort of really reflect on it and meditate on it. It's, it's really a meditation exercise in the open. So that's one way that I'd say you can start off with with identifying your dream and really honing in on it. Uh, you have to do that constantly, though. You have to keep revisiting it. Because as we were saying earlier, uh, before, I, I don't know if this was on or, or off the podcast, but some of the reasons people start off, you know, six months is, is the average amount of time people will sort of start on a physical activity program and then taper off the reason that is is because oftentimes they don't revisit their dream they get busy they start to see even if they see improvement and gains they start building up some intrinsic motivation because they feel better but then they don't really 
reflect back to that initial dream. The dream now becomes, I want to feel this improvement, you know, the satisfaction from my gains, from my, from my work. And that's great and that's powerful, but as we know, it, as fitness professionals, you hit plateaus and you don't see those gains as often, six months, seven months, eight months down the line. Also, life happens, so there's always these, these other factors that play into it. So that my main point is you have to call back to your dream, make sure it's an affirmative statement, and then that's actually step one in the, in the one, two, three, four process that, that I alluded to earlier. Uh, the second, number two, is to ensure that, um, like we were talking about living according to your nature, there are two forces, you know, people call them yin and yang, male, female, good, good, bad. Um, there are two forces that you sort of have to balance, and, and you make sure that you're in balance just by doing a constant self-inventory. So that's step two. Um, step three or factor three rather is three choices and this is where the motivation um, decision making sort of plays into effect you really have to know okay what choices are there the optimal choice which is according to will bring me to my dream the suboptimal choice which is the deviation from you know like the rationalization we're talking about with the paleo diet it'll work for now it'll, it'll bring enjoyment not going to see some negative side effects immediately but later on down the road it's going to cause some harm it's going to hinder me from my objective and then the third choice is is no choice so if you just choose to do nothing that's the worst case scenario so and then the four number four is um paul check calls them the four doctors and they're just mm -hmm. basically living living holistically uh, dr quiet dr diet dr movement and dr happiness so those are sort of the framework, the framework you can operate under as you start on your new, making your New Year's resolution, carrying it out, implementing it, and it's of course best if you do that with a support team and or with a, a holistic lifestyle coach or personal trainer who's qualified. That's very cool. It is cool. I'm thinking that um, this takes some time that one needs to set aside whether it's half a day or even a full day or a few days in a row of a couple of hours a day where you become quiet with your goal and really think about it or you journal about it or you collect pictures that will motivate you to to get there what's like the, the simple old visualization board technique which only makes you clear about what you want and I think oftentimes those people that give up halfway would not even start if they had spent enough time to think about how important that is for them. Because oftentimes we come up with... But would they have started something else? Well, maybe something else, but this is where I'm going with this. Oftentimes people have areas in their life that are not going well. And it's easy to blame it on your body and to try to hammer your body with workouts and nutrition where other areas of your life really need help mm -hmm. a lot worse than that uh, whether it's starting counseling or be becoming better at communication with your partner or whatever it is or whether you have some financial issues and oftentimes we think that we want to do something but it's just focusing our effort on that so we don't really look at what we really need 
So if you spend the hours it's necessary to really become clear about your goal and meditate on it and think about it and what your options are, maybe you will find out that's not your goal. Maybe you have an even better one that you can go after that will bless your life much, much better than if you just went for, I want to lose 10 pounds, which could be quite meaningless to your life. I think you guys have some <clears throat> some very good advice for the at the macro level. Um, but since we're talking about New Year's resolutions, we want to throw in my little two cents about the the micro level of these things because I think a lot of times people make. Let's say you really give it your all, and in your example, Bobby, uh, you tell your friend, you know, this time it's it's it's. It's It's six months from now or whatever. It's this time next year and I have lost 30 pounds or even better. I am now this weight, right? Well, you still have to know how to get there. And I think that's a big, there's a lot of misconceptions. So just make sure, I mean, it doesn't have to be our book, but it can be, you can hire a personal trainer um, or a nutritionist to develop your plan. So your overall goal is still to do X. You want to have lo- have lost by next time, this time next year, whatever, you want to have lost 30 pounds. But that's your goal. You still need the plan. Right. And you need to have a realistic plan because nothing's going to sabotage your goal faster than a plan that doesn't work. I think it's, I think it's helpful. I, I never thought about this, but when you're speaking about it just now, I think part of the reason that works um, having a plan and, and oftentimes having someone else draw your plan up for you is because it sort of outsources that so you can devote your energies mm-hmm. to keeping your eye on your dream and your your macroscopic goals so you know we call it analysis paralysis mm-hmm. and um, you get distracted by the details and, and oftentimes with a lot of these diets out there that people are following and popular on the internet they get so wrapped up with the details and am I doing this right? Am I, the, you know, and then mm-hmm. before they know it, the whole prize is lost. The whole goal is out the window. And the, the goal now is just to eat no dairy legumes. Eat more coconut oil. Well, there was this girl on the podcast this morning who was so stressed out about not being able to eat in the winter, there aren't as many vegetables. Oh, I, right. I can't get in the, my my uh, my little basket that I get in the mail or whatever every week. Doesn't have a variety. It's always the same things because that's what they grow around here during mm-hmm. the winter. And uh, uh, Paul Check answered, "Well, you're kind of stressing about this, and like all this stress about what's not in the basket, right. you know, and eating the same thing every week is going to cause so much more harm than eating the same thing every week." Right. Is it you know? So he gave her some tips on how to branch out and get some extra little things, some variety. But the bottom line is, you know, it's not going to hurt you for a while. So she was really, she was OCD on this, uh, on this one point of her diet. In the summer, we, it doesn't stress us out that we have too many varieties of berries. Oh my God, it's too many varieties. But whenever we're lacking something, we get so stressed out. And this is kind of the the seasonality and the normalcy of, of the body. I've only been in the U.S. for a year and a half, and there's strawberries. It's the middle of December, and yeah. they're and, and they're really miserable looking in the store. And <laughs> we saw these strawberries yesterday. They were so pasty. I'm like, I feel bad like for why you. do these exist? It, yeah. it just just give it up. Give it up. Grow something else in those fields. And I come from a country where things are more four seasons, so it's more sauerkraut in winter. And they no sauerkraut. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and no sauerkraut, sauerkraut in summer. Trees. Yeah. 
and no sauerkraut in summer, and some pickled vegetables in winter, no pickled vegetables in summer. Well, what I wish Polchak would have said, and he gave a good answer, but I wish he would have said our ancestors didn't have a huge variety. They probably didn't have a huge variety in the summer. They didn't have a huge variety in the spring. But even like our summer, spring, and fall vegetables are probably the things that we get mostly in the summer. And they figured out ways to spread them out because we're we're shipped them from a little bit closer. Um, So there's not a huge variety. So it's natural to go down to the few things. In this case, fermented foods, which he brought up, and um, preserved meat that you might have. Root vegetables. Root vegetables. Yeah, so I mean, we naturally, we think that those are like the comfort foods, the winter comfort foods, mm-hmm. these things, but they're there for a reason because we naturally go to those things in the winter because that's the variety, that's the level of variety that we have. So that's not to worry about. One of the things that, um, talk about the plan, having a good plan. Um, I don't know that, I didn't have this when I lost weight, right? My, after I got happy, Right, and then decided, okay, I'm happy, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to stay happy, I need a plan to lose weight, and I said, well, this is what I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with this just so I have something, right? And now we call out the, the kickstart. Just get going on something. But you have to do your research so you have the next plan. So my plan was to always have a next plan. Mm-hmm. So if I was on a diet and it was working, I would stick to it. But I'm always reading ahead. I was reading other books, and I developed this passion for fitness and nutrition. And pretty soon, I went. I got to another book, and I went, "Wow, this plan seems like it would be better than what I'm doing now." Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, by that time, I was probably three or four books ahead. And if I noticed that a diet was, you know, wasn't doing my body well, it wasn't working, I wasn't losing weight anymore, I didn't just throw in the towel and say, "Wow, screw this! I'm going to go have some ice cream, and I'll figure something out next week." No, I already knew what the next step could be, and I can go right from one right to the other, smooth transition. So my plan was to always have a next plan. What so I far, really, so good, 10 years. Right. Yeah. What I really took from, from Bobby's um, guest appearance today for myself is, as you guys were speaking, of course, I'm, I'm totally running an internal inventory on my dreams <laughs> and, and what's going on here. And with many things and many even work projects, you start with these big dreams and, and you, you go and you, and you do something that you love and then you get lost in the minutia. You get lost in the, I gotta get another blog post up or I gotta get another article up or uh, the 100 days of real food challenge, something that I'm running in Bulgaria. Oh, the 100 days, it's day 92. You know, <laughs> I, have to, I have to put out another thing for the readers. And you become lost in the everyday part of it and you forget about your dream what, what what did you expect in the beginning where is the passion that you started with where did you expect it to take you to and no wonder that we end up disappointed because we're our passion is eaten up by the everyday stuff and we we don't rekindle we don't refuel our our dream every day and i feel like it's almost like the daily minutia of getting to your goal and following the plan really take away from the initial resource that you put as a passion, as a dream, as an energy reserve, and you have to kind of refuel it, you have to refill the tank, the dream tank, so that you have the energy to be able to carry out the plan, or to be able to carry out the daily minutia of it. So that's something that I've, I'm, I'm horribly guilty of, and I'm, I'm going to work on, because it's, it's so worth doing it. 
it's almost like sabotaging yourself if you don't do it. It'll derail any sort of program you put yourself on mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. So there's a you know there's a we all have an ego. I I don't I like to think of the the dream being motivated by the spirit. You know mm-hmm. our true selves, our soul, whatever you want to call it, and the plan is often relegated towards the ego. So how we have um, developed our, our habits, our you know who we've become up until this point as as a as a person is the ego. So that will dictate how we approach and create the plan, how we approach the problem. So this so oftentimes what I'm saying is the spirit within us will have one agenda or one dream and the ego has this certain way of carrying that out. Oftentimes it's it sort of gets in the way of ourselves mm-hmm. and steps on our own, you know, trip over our own feet, so to speak. Um, so just recognizing and, and self-reflection is, is key. It helps us make sure that both of those things are aligned. One thing that I teach my clients and the, the ones that allow me to go on a little bit deeper level with them is at the end of each day, give yourself like three or four minutes to run an inventory of what happened today, the things that you're happy with, the things that you're grateful for, Look at the things that you had an intention of doing but didn't do, how you could do them better tomorrow. Maybe you didn't say no to the second piece of cake. Maybe you can do better with that tomorrow. And Why are you looking at me? Oh, no. You can't know where I'm looking on the radio. <laughs> and then uh, I, I have them, as they wake up in the morning, kind of run through their day and, and be grateful for waking up and, and running a mental kind of like a mental run through the day of the things that they're going to be expecting and, and trying to, to find the possibilities and the joy in what's going to be coming up instead of thinking, oh, another salad right. um, to not today for, for lunch. Just becoming excited and remembering remembering what they want out of their day and what they want out of their lives, sort of as a way to set up the stage from the morning and then run inventory in the evening and, and just be happier about what's going on. Yeah, and this isn't, I mean, nothing's new. It's, it's, this is the, res- the secret, you know, recycled with, um, from uh, the, um, oh, I forget his name. Who wrote the... Are you thinking Steven psycho- Spielberg. Are you thinking Psycho-Cybernetics? No. Yeah, that... Max, that Maxwell Maltz. Yeah, yeah. Waltz, yeah. Waltz. You know, so, I mean, what I'm saying is all this stuff is, is out there, and it's it's old as dirt, but we just forget it. Just much like the, we started out with the movement, the primal movement. We All of this it. has happened before. Yeah, <laughs> We forget about it, and we just need to be reminded. And that's the beauty of even just talking, getting together and talking about it like this in this form of the podcast, listening to it. That's what sort of helped me through my process. I, I'm embarrassed to say it was during college, and it was mostly uh, men's fitness magazines and, you know... Um, or as we called it, muscular fiction. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever worked. It was just the reminder, the sort of keeping it at the forefront, keeping the goal, keeping the dream. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I used to secretly... It was almost like I was buying a Playboy magazine. I, I felt like I was not ready, like, that they would laugh at me. You were not beautiful oh, enough were, to, buy, to yeah. buy a men's health magazine. But that was what I wanted to start with to lose weight. Like, I... So I would buy them, and I would not admit that I had them. <laughs> and I would like, and I wouldn't just go and like buy with a couple of things. I would be like, while I'm buying all my groceries, oh, and here's the men's health magazine. It was, it was like, uh, right. yeah, because was, you were probably afraid that if you were to fail or not realize that dream, 
it would be it would let you down, but also you'd be judged like, oh well, look, it yes, work. that was at home, like how it was, like yeah. that's why I didn't really keep them like laying around. Um, kept on a stack under my bed, <laughs> um, but. But at the checkout stand, I was thinking, oh, what if, you know, they're going to think, oh, what is this guy doing? Who yeah, does he think good, he is? Good luck, buddy. He, you're not ready for men's <laughs> health, buddy. Oh, that's like those people who say, I got to start working with you, but I got to lose weight first, yeah. and I'll call you. That's, yeah. Yeah, and that's I know we've talked about dynamic. this before, but I have friends that have P90X, and I say, well, how's it going? Well, I'm not really, I need to lose a little bit before I can start, which may be a good example with P90X, but... You can do something. There's right. good nutrition in the P90X. I mean, there's things you can do. And I don't know. That's so, a subject for another right, whole for another other podcast. podcast. But with respect to the New Year's resolution, I guess um, what we're saying is pair whatever your dream is, pair it up with some sort of reinforcement or reminder ingrained there in, in the process. And if, if possible, get, get some help. Um, make an investment, buy a home study course or something to educate yourself. Um, but all in all, just keep in mind that you'll need to, as much work as it is externally or rather outwardly in making, you know, going shopping more often, um, getting fresher foods, going to the gym, doing whatever it is you're going to do, you have to also turn within an equal amount and spend not necessarily as much time but at least as much energy and consciousness inward towards um, you know all the things we discussed taking self-inventory and that sort of thing so um, that that would be my approach that's precious thank Good. you for thank you for being with us and yeah. this we're, is the deepest we had, episode yeah, so we far. had talked about writing something about New Year's resolutions so we'll probably have something up with that in the next few days just to give you something to we've got a couple days before we can uh, put that up um, Bobby, in the meantime, um, I know that, that you write. I see some of your blog posts. Um, how can uh, our listeners um, find out more about you? Well, I have the website. Uh, it's movingforwellness.com. That's my main website. And I have two other blogs, one on Ayurveda, one on just general um, sport and movement. So you can go there and find both of those under the links. If you want to go directly to the blogs, the uh, Ayurveda blog is doshablog.com. That's D-O-S-H-A blog.com. And you got it, must have got that one early. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. Well, that would have been long gone by now. Right, right. And the other is um, mfwblog.com. So that's movingforwellnessblog.com. And uh, you can reach me there, contact me there, and feedback is always appreciated. Well, great. Um, it's been a good show. I like it. And um, we're, uh, we've been big fans of yours. And you've been a, been a good friend and uh, taught us a lot. So hopefully, uh, hopefully our, our listeners got a lot out of it. Well, likewise, thank you, too, for you know, getting, this, getting this product out there, get, you know, opening up this format. It's something uh, that's very much needed. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been really cool. Well, shall we, shall we wish everybody a Merry Christmas? Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and uh, let's kick off a very healthy 2013. Uh, the world is not over, so. Yeah, if, you're, uh, if you didn't find us through our, uh, our website, uh, you can find us at uh, thefitink.com, and that's, that's the easiest way, and, uh, or facebook.com slash Roland Denzel, or facebook.com slash Galena Denzel. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to find us on Facebook. 
And um, if you like this show, go over to iTunes and leave us um, a comment or a review. We, we need those so that we can get more listeners. And if you want to support us, you can do all of your shopping through our Amazon search bar, which is on the right side of our website. And I think go right to that Christmas post and, yeah. and, Christmas <laughs> and buy everything. Post and uh, check out a couple of things there. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the one hour and 24 minutes of your time. This is the longest one ever, but it was fun. Thank you so much and Merry Christmas. <laughs>